Get ready to innovate and organize your workspace with Metro. As the industry leader in storage and distribution systems, Metro is here to transform and organize your kitchen. With their premium solutions, you'll experience the Metro difference. Metro's sturdy and versatile shelving units, workstations, holding cabinets, and utility carts are designed to streamline operations and maximize your productivity. Don't settle for imitators. Metro products last longer and offer unparalleled quality and durability. Plus, the many customization options ensure that your space is tailored to your unique needs. Hey, we use them here at Walk & Talk. Say goodbye to chaos and hello to order with Metro Shelving. Visit their website or contact them today to start designing your perfect space. Metro Shelving, your partner in organization and efficiency. Hello, food fam. This is the Walk and Talk podcast, and I'm your host, Carl Fiadini. We are podcasting on-site at Ibis Images Studios. Attention, chefs, GMs, and bar managers. Are you looking for a fantastic food photographer to capture your delicious dishes, cool cocktails, and your property's amazing architecture? Get with John Hernandez. Check him out at ibisimages.com. It's uh, the ACF election season, and today we're going to interview the current sitting ACF Rhode Island chapter president, Chef Ray McHugh. He's running for the Northeast Regional VP spot. Let's dig in. But first, chefs and and food buyers, are you looking to improve your proteins program with quality and service by the best in the beef business? Well, reach out to Peninsula Food Service. With over 25 butchers on staff, their services will dazzle you and impress your dining guests. Peninsula is the largest Creekstone farm distributor in the southeast United States. Let the gang at Peninsula Food Service cut your beef burdens away. Ask about their dry age program. Look them up at PeninsulaFood.com. All right. So, Chef Jeffrey Schlissel, how are you, sir? Fantabulous, man. I know you are. So, uh, what are you cooking for uh, tomorrow? Yeah. What do you got? Yeah. I've got a really great, unbelievable prime brisket that's been... Basically curing for about seven days now. Wait, what? Prime? Prime Ooh, brisket. I like it. So what I'm going to do is saying. I'm going to cut that in half, and half of this is going to be for corned beef, and the other half is going to be for pastrami, and it will be cooked for about 10 hours tomorrow. Wh- which half of those is for me? Uh, one of them will be. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> corned beef and pastrami. So Just, here's the reason why. You need a bite, man. That's all. <laughs> it's my 11th anniversary tomorrow, and my wife said to me, I want corned beef. And I said, okay, we'll make that happen. But I'm not going to do any just uh, Reuben. I'm actually going to be doing a kimchi Reuben. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so something a little bit twisted. I like what you're saying. And uh, congratulations. Uh, uh, well, t- to her, she's lasted yeah, definitely me this long. her. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, you married up for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, let's, uh, let's welcome Chef Ray McHugh to the show. Chef, how are you? Excellent, guys. How are you? Wonderful. Wonderful, and uh, and thank you for uh, for taking the time to be on the show. Um, as you just heard, uh, you know Jeff uh, Chef Jeffrey here. He's uh, he's gonna he's gonna get into some interesting stuff in the kitchen. Um, what do you have going on? Anything uh, interesting? Well, of course, tomorrow is St. Patty's Day, so what would you be without uh, some corned beef? And I'm gonna be sous viding it tonight for about you know sixteen or eighteen hours, okay. and then uh, doing a whole bunch of traditional sides. My wife is uh, actually German-French descent, so we'll do uh, like grated potato cakes and things like that. 
I like what you're saying. Right. I might have to. Uh, he you know he what, hit Jeff? me up with a potato locus. <laughs> you know what, Jeff? Raise in. You're out. Okay. All right. That's that's, <laughs> that's 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 how quick I can be replaced. <laughs> boom! Just like that. Um, no, that sounds terrific. Um, you know, uh, Chef uh, Chef Ray, if you could, why don't you take a couple of minutes to uh, to kind of give a history about who you are and how you got into business? Sure, my pleasure. Uh, once again, guys, thanks for having me on. Um, a little bit about me. I grew up in the restaurant business. My grandfather was a chef. I had aunts and uncles who were restaurateurs, and I grew up in New York City. So if you haven't recognized the accent yet, uh, my deep New York accent does come out every once in a while. It wasn't Rhode Island. But, uh, I did detect that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, every summer when all the kids were going to baseball camp and scout camp and you know sleepaway camp, my parents shipped me up to state New York to work in my family's restaurants way before there was ever such thing as child labor laws. <laughs> of course. Sounds like my story. Right. Uh, my, my parents felt that that was the best way to, to give me a real world education and that they also thought uh, twofold that I would hate the restaurant business. I never want to work a day in it. And it kind of backfired on that plan. I fell in love with restaurants at a very young age. Uh, the excitement of a Friday night rush, uh, meeting very interesting people. And I say to this day, I've met some of the most interesting, creative, talented people working in restaurants and in food service in general and just fell in love with it and came time to graduate high school. And I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And my father's aspirations at the time were for me to become an accountant. And I figured I could go to work every day, suit and tie in a briefcase. And that just wasn't me. It wasn't in my DNA. And uh, my grandfather came to me and says, what are you going to do? And I says, I don't know. And he says, well, uh, have you thought about going to college? And I says, what am I going to do in college? And he says, you know, do what you love. And uh, he says, why don't you go to culinary school? And I kind of, you know, being a cocky 18-year-old, 17, 18-year-old, I says, what do I need to culinary school? I've been cooking on the line in the restaurant. <laughs> Under the best chef I know, you, you know? And I remember my grandfather just looking at me and shaking his head and saying, I've taught you this much and literally holding up the, the tip of his pinky. He says, there's a whole other world out there you have to learn. So it got me thinking, and uh, I didn't want to be in New York City at the time anymore. Um, so I looked around, and believe it or not, uh, a very childhood friend of mine says, hey, there's this great culinary program in, in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, go check it out, Johnson Wales. And that's exactly what I did. I came up here uh, from New York and I was far enough away to be independent, but close enough to be home on weekends of big events to work those big events. And I came to Wu and I, I got my culinary degree. I spent uh, four years here and then I had two great opportunities. One was to go work in Italy in a place called Montalcino uh, for four months at, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Bonfi Wines, but Bonfi Vineyards had a huge, huge castle, 16th century castle in a place called Montalcino, Italy. And I got uh, experience that. And I came back from that and I was working for a chef here in New England and he had recommended that I go to France. And I spent some time in two different Michelin sod restaurants in France, one in Paris and one in Versailles. And the one in Versailles now is currently owned by Gordon Ramsay, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but it was when I worked there, it was called uh, uh, the La Trois-Marche, the Three Markets. And in in, uh, in Paris, got to meet a lot of great Michelin-starred chefs, classically trained. In France, they take their chef business very seriously. 
where you have master French chefs and uh, master worksmen, which is called MOFs, MOFs in France. So I got a great experience. Came back to the States, bounced around. Jeff, I'm sure you'll like this. I actually couldn't find a job when I landed back in the States in the early 2000s. And I went on tour, believe it or not, with Kiss and ACDC. <laughs> I love this guy's uh, life. <laughs> I love everything he's saying. I love how he points out ACDC. That was my walk-up song and one of the presentations I did. They had Thunderstruck, and everyone went, Who, well, how did you do that? It wasn't me. It was just a coincidence. So it's funny he just mentioned that ACDC and Kiss. That's awesome. So a good friend of mine, uh, I'm going to give a shout-out to David Parisi, was working for a catering company called Diga Catering based out of Nashville. And that's usually where every major mu music group went out on tour. And David got me a job uh, cooking for the roadies and everybody on tour and getting to be back backstage and watching all these great shows for about six months. But it got real tired real quick because you're literally living out of a van and taking a shower every three days. I don't know, Ray, uh, chef. I, I, let me tell you something. That's a, I'm I'm digging it. I'm digging everything you said so far. Uh, you, that's a good life, man. I mean, granted, uh, the kitchen's tough. It's a tough world, and it's long hours. And you know, bless your family for trying to like uh, keep you away from it. But you know, at the end of the day, we all have our callings, right? Yep. All so right. after doing that, I had called. Uh, I was looking for a job, and um, I put a reach out to a few chef friends of mine all over the place. I wasn't settling on anywhere particular. And one of the chefs that had worked in, in France had reached out to me and said, hey, a good friend of mine's opening a hotel in New York City. Uh, he's going to give you a call in a day or two. And sure enough, went on an interview, and it turned out that hotel was Ritz-Carlton. And um, I had a great career with Ritz-Carlton, working almost a dozen-plus years with them all over the country. I started my career with them in New York and then uh, moved around. And the last three years, I worked for them. I was a task force chef where I'd go to different hotels for various reasons. And, uh, and that's when it was the candlelight bulb chef. That's when it was actually the Ritz Carlton. It was, it was, uh, it was independent, right? Uh, no, it was actually just owned by Marriott, but Ritz was doing their own thing. Okay. So we had, uh, and we were growing right before, uh, 2008, the financial crisis. I mean, we were growing exponentially. I think, at the time, their ambitions was 60 new hotels in 60 months around the world, as crazy as that sounds. Yeah, it's insane. Um, listen, really, so what, great what, what we're no, that's a, that's what, what we're going to do. I think with you uh, is, I think I want to have you on another podcast, <laughs> and I want to I want to dive. We want to dive more. Uh, yeah, ACDC, I wanna, uh, yeah, no, no, no. There's yeah. a, there's some really good um, content in this, um, but for oh, today, yeah, no, no. It's yeah. that's that's cool stuff. Uh, but for today and for those uh, for those folks out there who are listening, you know, um, Chef, we have a pretty broad spectrum of listenership. A lot of people from the industry, hospitality, a lot of foodies, um, you know, so there's going to be uh, different folks who are going to be listening to this. And I just want to let them know that um, we're going to be asking you questions that are pertaining to your um, uh, to your candidacy. And uh, we're going to jump in. You ready? Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Um, so let's just start with, uh, I mean, what do you think the best offerings from the AC are for aspiring, for the aspiring chef and for the chef who's maybe getting closer to retirement? For the chef getting closer to retirement, I'm going to say sharing their knowledge of passing on down traditions and really becoming a mentor is a great benefit for them. 
for the new person, the new aspiring chef, everything that the ACF has to offer from networking opportunities to certifications and even competition. That's what's going to appeal to the younger crowd. How do they, you know, put their skills to the test against themselves and against others? So one of the things that are very important to, uh, to walk and talk media is uh, participating in charitable events and, and, you know, good causes. Um, as you know, in the food industry, there's much in the way going on of uh, substance abuse and mental health uh, challenges. What role could the ACF play or better play in partnering with charities to offer assistance in, in the realm of mental health and substance abuse? You know, it's a great question. I mean, due to the unique nature of our fast paced industry, many workers are prone to heavy workloads, long hours, and even late night shifts. And from binge drinking to illicit drug use, uh, having substance abuse disorders is common in, in a food service industry. There's no doubt about denying that. But there are several circumstances impeding to these workers receiving the necessary treatment that can address these problems. Uh, one such thing, I believe, is the lack of health insurance provided by um, employers today and even providing uh, employee assistant programs. The ACF could use this as an opportunity to really become an advocacy leader in, the, in programs like these. I mean, we really need to start having the dialogue with everybody out there that you know, if you're suffering from something like this, there's help. And you just can't say, well, there's no money to throw at it. People always have this feeling of, oh, well, if we just throw money at it, it will go away. I really think that ACF can be a major voice in issues like this. Well said. And just for the record, and I've mentioned this on this question to each of uh, the, the various uh, candidates, um, you know, keep our uh, keep our phone number handy for that because we'd love to be a part of uh of, of any directive that's related to that subject. I just want to make go on record. Every time he mentions that, you know, illicit drug use and, and alcoholism, he looks right at me for some reason. I have no idea why. <laughs> trying to help you, man. <laughs> I'm trying to help you, man. Um, all right. Stop it. All right. Uh, forgive me. Forgive the interruption, folks. Um, chef, are there uh, steps being taken by the ACF to increase engagement with different cultures in the culinary world? Uh, are, are there are, are any effective um, uh, engagements, rather? Experience the perfect blend of culinary delights, entertainment, and education on the number one food podcast in the country, Walk & Talk Podcast. Join host Carl Fiadini and the amazing chef Jeffrey Schlissel. Feed your appetite. Find this podcast on Apple and Spotify. So I thought long and hard about this, and I have to tell you something. Anthony Bourdain probably said it best, and I'm paraphrasing here. The kitchen is the last refuge that accepts all walks of life and doesn't discriminate. Uh, we are the world's melting pot, and I think every year we should focus on different cuisines and bring chefs in that are proud to represent and share their culture within the ACF and show, show it off to other chefs. That's what, what it's all about, sharing knowledge. And uh, everybody has one thing in common on this planet is that we all come to the table with our unique traditions and our favorite types of food and what we grew up in and uh, paying it forward. 
Ray, to follow up on that, do you feel that the current board that is in there now, do you think they have, or do we represent that? Do we, does the ACF represent our kitchens today? It's a great question. Does the ACF represent our kitchens? I think that if you ask any trade organization, do they represent the trade itself? Yes. Uh, we are as diversified as I think any anybody else out there. I've never seen a chef turned away for being uh, in a social economic class or a different uh, nationality or anything like that. I've never known of any instance that, you know, we welcome everybody. So as far as inclusiveness goes, you know, we're chefs helping other chefs move the, move themselves into becoming better in their field. Over the past two decades, we've seen a remarkable rise in the number of female chefs in the food industry. What's the best way for the ACF to foster an inclusive atmosphere in the food industry as a whole? Uh, yes, progress has been made, and it's thanks to the countless female chefs around the world who have endured the harassment, misogynistic culture, and habit of ignoring women's achievements altogether in the workplace. Uh, they are continuing to overcome these obstacles to prove that they are, in fact, just as capable of excelling in a historically male-dominated environment. And that's exactly why it's important to the ACF to continue to highlight female chefs in the industry by not only discussing the challenges they face, but by incredible achievements and the visions for their future. I think that ACF really has to look, I mean, there's more female Michelin starred chefs than ever before in history, but I don't know if I'm going to school you guys a little bit of history. Do you know that Eugene Brasserie was the first chef ever to hold two Michelin starred restaurants at the same time? Mm -hmm. Well, I did. I don't know if they, they did. Keep going. I mean, she was, a, trail, <laughs> she was a trailblazer in her own right. And she was, she was a female chef and she was the first chef ever in the history of France and the history of Michelin to have two restaurants operating consecutively side by side at the same time. Well, you, you know, know chef, you, you know, chef, uh, first of all, I was giving you the opportunity to school me. Right. So that, that's, that was the, uh, that was the pause. That's not hard to do. Yeah. That's uh, it's easy <laughs> over here. Um, yes. But you know, it's, isn't it, isn't it, um, in that regard, we're talking about female chefs, right? It's less about them executing, you know, a, a dinner service or having a high, you know, high heightened, uh, culinary skills, it's more or less, you know, being able to maneuver or navigate th through the sort of environment of the of the kitchen, and not just the kitchen, but just you know the food industry at large. Isn't that where the the hurdles would more or less come? This business is a tough business. I mean, anybody who's ever, I feel that anybody ever, all people out there should work at some point or mm. another in here, hospitality. Here. Just here, here. a glimpse of what we do. Truth. Yeah. Uh, you 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 wouldn't find the Karens of the world being acting the way they do on social media that we see on the reels of Instagram today. Uh, if they would just humble themselves and see what people go through on the other side of those kitchen doors. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned uh, you mentioned the one chef that had the two Michelin stars, and I'll, I'll bring it to the United States, and that's somebody who's my mentor, and she never knew this, probably yours and those several different others. But Julia Childs, if it wasn't for Julia Childs, I mean, you think about what she did for the culinary uh, landscape. There would be no Grand Cure, there would be no uh, Jacques Pepin, there would be no Julia Childs or any of the other ones that we have on the TV right now. 
Absolutely. I grew up in the 80s watching them just as you guys did. <laughs> and I also want to I also want to chime in with uh do you guys remember Justin Wilson, that guy with the Oh, the onion. Yeah. Yeah. Little pebble, little mean, onion. <laughs> yes. Coming home from school and turning that on and being entertained by him talking about andouille sausage and the difference between Cajun and Creole and Arcadian cuisine. I mean, hits hits home with me. I, I learned more from him than I did James Beard. You know, just watching him because James Beard to me was just a writer to me and seeing Justin Wilson actually and his I guess it was his accent. It was so strange and um, foreign to me just to hear someone talk about that, that, that cuisine. So, Chef, with so many culinary programs either closed or in the process of closing, uh, how can educators help to encourage student participation and involvement within the ACF? So I really wanted to chime in on this question. You know, everybody thinks that culinary school is all about technical education, and a good proponent of it is that. But let's talk about um, the soft skills for a second, from answering a phone to greeting a customer. Where is that being taught today? Uh, A good colleague of mine, Jason Evans, recently wrote an article for a a magazine called FSR, I believe Full Service Restaurants. And the title of the article was Why Culinary Education Still Matters. The article talked about going beyond the technical skills and helping students really develop lifelong skills of those soft skills of dealing with an angry customer, um, how to communicate properly, how to answer the phone with a smile. You know, that's not taught at a regular college or unless you're going into a really high-end uh, training program of the Marriott's or the Hilton's of the world. You know, culinary school still matters. Did we see a bad time? Without a doubt. Did a bunch of them close? Absolutely. But I think that we here in America, we weathered the storm and like a pendulum, it's going to start shifting in the other direction. I guarantee you in the next three to five years, you're going to see a huge change and uptick in culinary schools opening or programs opening up again. I mean, I hope you're right. Um, and, and that's a great segue into the next question, which is, what is the best plan of action for promoting education within the ACF? Well, we recently just talked about it. I think the best plan of action is we need to get in front of, out in the public eye, uh, get in front of the camera again. Um, I told you, I, I, I think about myself in the eighties watching Julia Child, uh, Justin Wilson, and you guys mentioned Jack Pepin. Social media is another important communication tool. Looking at success uh, of the chef's table, that the ACF has, has developed, uh, as well as showcasing success stories within our great organization. We really don't highlight members that are doing such unique work out there. And we, ACF has to do a better job of beating the drum and letting the public know that there are chefs out there, really not just the celebrity chefs, but chefs every day making a difference in their local neighborhoods and communities. Yeah, that's that's uh, agreed, you know, and that's, you know, a uh, shameless plug during the middle of this, but I mean, that, that's kind of what walk and talk is all about is, you know, not necessarily, you know, chefs that are uh, well-known all over the world, but it's like your local hardworking 80 hour week, you know, chef putting out terrific food and, you know, managing and leading people, mentoring people, you know, coming up and the whole nine yards. So that's a, that's a terrific answer. Um, all right. Uh, should the national board receive benefits without bringing in paid sponsorships? 
So the only compensation I'm aware of is a small travel and lodging budget of going to the national convention and maybe to other ACF-related events. I do think a, a big part of the ACF's uh, responsibilities, especially the board, should be to bring in sponsors without a doubt. I think that you 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 get into some murky waters here where you just say, hey, uh, national board members need to bring in sponsorships. There has to be a, a very clear and detailed plan here. It's It looks good on paper, but without an execution, it's it's not going to go anywhere in my, my humbled opinion. What inspired you to pursue the role of ACF um, of the uh, of the Northeast Regional um, position? So I'm finishing up my second term as president of the Rhode Island chapter, and I was asked by several senior chefs to accept the nomination. And I had to give it some deep thought. Uh, after discussing it with my wife, uh, she was the one to convince me, you know, you, you have a great passion for what you do in this organization. And I said I wouldn't do it without her support. So uh, I've had a great successful career, both as a chef working for Ritz-Carlton, as I discussed with you guys before, but also as a culinary educator for the past 15 or so years at Johnson & Wales. Um, I run a small consulting firm where I do a lot of various training as well as product development for several uh, uh, clients around the world. And besides being involved with the ACF, I've also been heavily involved with World Chefs, uh, specifically World Chefs Without Borders for many, many years. And I'm a true believer in leaving things better than the way you found them. So that's uh, the whole reasoning behind me uh, accepting the nomination for Northeast Vice President. What are the advantages and disadvantages of giving students full voting rights within the ACF? Great question. There's been a lot of debate about this. I am not in favor of giving full uh, uh, student members full voting rights for several reasons. One, they're not paying the same price as a professional member, and I don't think if you're not going to pay the same price, why should you get the same treatment in any any situation? Uh, that's like saying, hey, uh, in a restaurant, the customer on table two is paying full price, but the customer on table six uh, is paying a third of the price for the same meal. It's It's not fair to everybody. We have to be fair across the board. And many organizations have tiered membership with different price points and different voting rights. Um, second, uh, a student may not be fully aware of the internal workings of the ACF. And to be honest with you, I don't think many of them are interested in the topic of the politics of day-to-day -day ACF. So it, it may not interest them. And I'm going to propose this to you. Um, a student can have a tremendous influence by their chef instructor. Now, Jeff and John, I don't know if you guys went to culinary school. I don't know your training, uh, but I'm sure that if you did go to culinary school, you would definitely say that your chef instructor had a big part of your overall success in your career. Uh, am I mistaken? I mean, simple yes or no, guys. What do you think? I would have to say some. Uh, I went to okay. JW in North Miami, so I'm, I'm with you with the JWU. Um Okay. I mean, I had two instructors that actually got me to join. I would have never joined because at that point in my time in my life, I didn't think a restaurant chef because I didn't think of going into in manufacturing or country club or anything like that. I wanted to, you know, be a restaurant guy. I didn't think CEC really meant anything to me, but it was from Chef Alan Lazar and Charlie Miltenberger from Johnson Wales in Miami that actually convinced me to join. Great chef. So sticking on the topic here in Providence, we have over 2,500 culinary students between baking, pastry, and nutrition. 
think of the potential power I could potentially have if every one of those students was an ACF member with full voting rights. Uh, and I manipulated them in voting in a certain way. This is the textbook definition of gerrymandering. Uh, I don't know how else to put it. Um, I think that the way it is now that a student gets so much of a percentage of a vote and an associate member gets so much of a percentage of a vote and a professional member gets so much of a vote, I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think that you we're opening up Pandora's box if we just say, hey, let's give every student member a full voting right as a professional member but, without paying the same price. So, Chef, if, if we want to do pay to play, right, and we're talking about pay to play, um, if a professional chef is put in 10 years – he or she is able to get like a $50 membership and he still has, or he or she still has a full vote. The problem, what I see is when we're talking about pay to play and we're also talking at the same time, the future of the ACF is that a student only has a quarter vote. A culinarian only has a half a vote. Professional has a full vote. The associate and allied pay the most and they only have a full vote if they're connected to a chapter. And that's a big if yes. they're connected to a chapter. Um, and I wanted to be transparent because I, I actually wanted to figure out what the deal is with all this, too, because it's something I was at the Board of Governors last year, like you were in Vegas, and I heard the same thing. Um, but as as Brian Frick said in his interview, and I'm, I was kind of want to talk touch on this. Yes, during the time period in the 97, 90, let's say I graduated 96, 94 to 96. Yeah, I guarantee you we had no social media. Thank God. And there would have been that episode where I could have been coerced or convinced to vote for somebody. But now in today's age, we have social media. Does that still apply? You think that, the, that they can be swayed so easily? Absolutely. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I, just don't, I see it every day in, in, in classrooms that I teach that uh, how you can direct a conversation and have a great influence. It's, it's, it could be a dangerous tool. Um, it not not handled correctly. I mean, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, guys. That's your story. One of the quotes that I live by. Well, I got one another question. You, you were asked by senior chefs to run, correct? So yeah. isn't that a way that they're influencing you to run? Isn't that the same kind no, of point? Uh, I, I to would some extent. with that. They had asked me, they said to me, th their words out of their mouth was, we need some fresh ideas with some young blood. And they felt that I was the bridge between the senior chefs and the young chefs, and I would be a good fit. And after the only the only reason why I accepted was I talked to my wife about it, um, because you guys know being involved sometimes, especially as a chapter president, uh, and you could ask any chapter president in the country of any organization. Sometimes it's a thankless job. Oh you yeah, put in the hours. You're, you're putting together newsletters. You're setting up events. You're honoring the local chefs in the area, and we all have members that no matter what you do, they're never happy, they're never satisfied, and uh, they always have to put in their two cents. And not that there's anything wrong with that. Welcome that. I embrace it. I see it as, as a, an obstacle that sometimes have to, we have to overcome and um, turn that, that threat into an opportunity. But it's a thankless job some days, almost every day. Ask any chapter president, especially in the ACF. If it is, if you don't do it for any other reason, because you love to do it, you love to see the camaraderie and see the growth of young chefs. I mean, that's really the opportunities there are endless. 
I've been blessed to, to meet chefs from literally around the world, and I still keep in touch with them with social media. So when a, a senior chef, I could see where you're saying that a senior chef should have influence over me, and I could also see where you're coming from with social media today. But how many from the age of 17 to 21 are really worried about the national ACF as opposed to worrying about where their next job is? Well, we're also we're also putting students in that age group, but we also know that there are other students that have this is their second career path, so they're older Absolutely. and they should know a little bit more. Absolutely, uh, I just think that you, it's 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 easier said than done. Um, it, like I said, it's a good intention, but the reality is is that if I had potential to bring in twenty five hundred votes, that that could rig an election. And I and here I am saying that I'm I'm not for it for that particular reason. One person shouldn't hold that much influence over the organization. Chef, do you believe there should be term limitations for national positions, specifically the chairman of the board? Absolutely. We do have term limits, uh, unfortunately, for some unforeseen events that took place uh, in the recent years. One. Uh, Chef Stafford DeCamber resigned as the Northeast, uh, I'm sorry, as the national president. And forgive me, the particular, I don't know the exact date, but somewhere around 2019, 2020. And I also want to bring to, to light um, here in the Northeast, uh, Chef Chris Neary passed away in 2018. And it it went back to, we had to go to Robert's Rules and look at parliamentarian issues within our organization of how we run things. But without a doubt. Uh, all positions should have a term limit, and they do. It's just that some of these unforeseen circumstances caused people to stay in uh, positions for longer than we anticipated. But nobody saw those things coming for them to happen. But I'd be all for voting in term limits at any position. I mean, it's the only way you grow as a as a community. How did the ACF do a CMPC beta test that has no direct result? And someone gain a certification certification in just three days of an eight day exam. This question's on everyone's mind, and I was not there nor involved in any way, so I cannot uh, and will not comment on something without knowing all the facts. I feel a full internal investigation should be done on the matter, however, so that the members can know the truth and uh, are aware of the breakdown that had happened during this ex- recent exam. Where is the leadership when dealing with this problem? Uh, That's kind of redundant. Yeah, it's redundant. I'm going to skip that. Scratch that. Scratch that from the record, please. (laughs) Um, No, guys, let me just let me just chime in for one second here. I just want to add a little bit onto that. The process itself was so secretive and misconstruing. Um, The exam concluded somewhere around January, I think, 6th. And a letter did go out, but it didn't go out until March 3rd. And I want to be clear, I have nothing against the candidate, Chef Andy Chabana, nor any of the evaluators. Uh, I'm setting the record straight. Uh, But there has to be complete transparency when you do any certification at any level. Uh, And the ACF fell short there. What does it mean for the ACF now that the American Master Chef Order, AMCO, has displaced itself from the ACF certifications. Why is that?
Attention chefs and food buyers. Are you looking to improve your proteins program with quality and service by the best in the beef business? Reach out to Peninsula Food Service. With 25 butchers on staff, their services will dazzle you and impress your dining guests. Peninsula is the largest Creekstone farm distributor in the Southeast United States. Let the gang at Peninsula Food Service cut your beef burdens away and ask about their dry-aged program. Look them up at PeninsulaFood.com. I have had numerous conversations with several CMCs uh, one-on-one, and I feel it's going to take some time to mend this relationship. Both ACF and AMCO need to work out their differences and make sure that nothing like this ever happens again. Uh, we have to come to the table, and that it's going to be a long—it's going to be a long process. There's no doubt in my mind, but I think that we're we're on the right foot, uh, admitting that we had some issues, and there was there was a lot of moving parts going on here, and it's um, uh, the CMC that sat on the certification commissions. There was a vacancy; it wasn't filled. There was poor communication and nobody, I wasn't there and I don't know all the facts. So once again, it's, it's a tough thing. I think though, after speaking to many of the CMCs one-on-one that we have to, we have to mend this process. It's like having a bad fight in a relationship and we have to come back to the table and uh, mend our differences and uh, see how we can move forward and move past these obstacles that in these past instances. Do you, let me ask you a question with the CMC and CMPC exams. Do you know when's the last time and they have modified or changed the testing structure on either one? AMCO was given a a charter about four years ago. Uh, ACF had reached out to AMCO and said, hey, uh, we're getting a lot of feedback. Uh, The success rate hasn't been always been great. Could we, could we, and several chefs were given, I don't know the exact names, but had worked on it specifically of breaking the model up and they proposed several different models to ACF. Um, now, where did they propose them to? Was it the certification commission? Was it the national board? I couldn't tell you, but I know that several models were proposed of running a new way of running this program to make it more, um, inclusive, uh, meaning that anybody should be able to take it. Uh, I'm a firm believer of every time, every exam before this, there was always a several months in advance notifying all the members that, hey, we're running the test. This is when it's going to be. This is where it's going to take place. These are who are going to be the evaluators. Uh, I, like you, like many of you, were on social media sometime in January, and all of a sudden, hey, congratulations, Chef Andy, who I think is a remarkable pastry chef. His skills, he has competed on the international level. He has judged on the international level. I'm not taking any way, anything away from him himself or, or his skill set. I, I absolutely, I, and I don't want anybody thinking that I'm trash talking anybody here. But the process that went down, it's, it's, I, and there's a lot of rumors, and I'm not here to start the rumor mill and say he Wait. said or she said that. Right. I'm not, I'm not but, talking specific uh, in this case. I'm talking like prior. Like when is the last time the CMC exam has been modified? When's the last time the CMPC exam has been modified that you know of? Um, so I'll stick with the, the CMC exam. 
um, because I'm not too familiar with the CMPC exam. Um, the CMC exam, I think that every time they run it, they get feedbacks from the candidates, either if they pass or failed, uh, feedback on how do they make the process better. And it involves continuous improvement. It's a continuously improving process of how do we do things better. So to answer your question, you may not see it because you're not involved in it and we're not there. But every time they've run the exam, especially over the last six or seven years that I'm aware of, uh, it has been, hey, how do we make this better? How do we make this better? Looking from it, from a, uh, the, making the process better uh, for the candidates as well as the evaluators. Chef, how many members have you directly brought into and or sponsored on their application to the ACF? 2,500 students. Kidding. <laughs> No, no, I'm not going to say that because not every Jay that was student is a member of ACF. That was, that was, that was completely number. a joke. That was, that was uh, Jeff's <laughs> attempt at uh, comedic uh, value there. Sorry about that. Uh, you're not, I have thick skin, so you're not going to hurt my skin. <laughs> He's a chef. That's why he has thick skin. True story. But I don't have an actual number, but I'd like to share with you guys two success stories of former students of mine uh, that have gone on to do great things in their prospective careers, thanks to the ACF, as well as what I feel is my guidance. Uh, one chef that you guys may be familiar with, Joffrey Linez, CEC. Uh, he is currently the executive chef of the Patterson Club in Fairfield, Connecticut. Uh, Gio was probably one of my students that I take the greatest pride in. He surpassed every expectation, and I'm proud to not only call him a friend, but uh, his mentor that has had a huge impact on his life. Uh, I coached Gio years ago, first in the Hot Foods Junior ACF competition uh, team. Then he competed in Student Chef of the Year. Uh, I also coached him in uh, the Shenda Rotisia Young Komi competition, where he won at every level, the regional level, then he won at the national level, and him and I flew to South Africa to represent the U.S., Oh, and this is going back over 10 years ago, 10 plus years ago. Uh, Gio recently was on the last ACF national team where he made Team USA and he re represented us at a bunch of international competitions. And he continues to push the envelope. And he, it's great to see him come full circle because now he's taking students and coaching them on and mentoring them, the next generation. So he's one success story that I love to, to to share with you guys. Another one is uh, Chef Tony Lee, also CEC, and he's currently working as the executive sous chef at the Country Club in uh, Mass. And when people say, what country club? And they say, the Country Club. The Country Club is one of the oldest country clubs in America, and it's no, it that just goes by that name alone, the Country Club. And Tony uh, recently just came back from the ACF qualifier in Kansas city, uh, last week, and he's competing for chef of the year. And Tony won a, a gold medal and had one of the highest scores competing for chef of the year. And both of them, I talk to those guys on a regular basis. So these are just some of the stories that I'd like to share with you. It's not always about quantity guys. It's about quality of who we bring into our organization. And those are two gentlemen that I stand behind and there's countless others. Yes. Female chefs as well. Uh, Chef Tracy Morris, same thing. She competed with Chio, and she just recently had a baby, but she was the executive pastry chef of uh, the Chevy Chase Country Club down in Maryland. 
and I can I could ramble off plenty of plenty of other people, but due to time restraints, I'm not going to I mean, brag listen, about it. But chef, I am proud of what the ACF was. And and you should be, Chef. I mean, mentorship is uh, mentorship is so important, especially in today's world. I mean, it just you know it it seems that uh, there's a I don't want to say a failing, but we need to get we need to get back to uh, helping you know develop our younger our younger uh, folks who are growing up. How long have you been a member of the ACF? Um, so my involvement with ACF goes back to the late nineties when I was a student here at Chewu. I was one of the uh, students uh, that was involved with getting the junior ACF member back up and running here at Johnson Wales, and then I left Chewu and. Like I said, I worked in Europe and uh, France and Italy and, and spent a bunch of time uh, working for Ritz-Carlton. Only after coming back to Wu did I get reacquainted with ACF. And somewhere around 15 years now, I've been a professional paid member, certified member with the ACF and heavily involved at the Rhode Island and the Northeast region through various uh volunteer opportunities i you know that uh that rhode island campus is gorgeous i did a i was uh privileged to do a uh, show there once not a not a walk and talk show this is about maybe i don't know 15 years ago uh there was a food event and um i was able to attend and it's such a pretty campus and that and even that town is is uh, i stayed i forget the name of the hotel but it's it's the hotel with a clock tower and uh it's probably called the hotel clock tower shut up um <laughs> But it's uh, it's such a beautiful town, and I, and I love that campus. It's awesome. Yeah, the Miami campus was we, gorgeous once it got going, not when I was there. Right. Uh, it is a beautiful campus, and either of you guys, anybody ever wants to come or is in town, please feel free to reach out to me. I'll be happy to give you the what I call the 50-cent tour. But uh, Providence I'll pay a dollar. in general. And, I'll and pay a dollar. Sounds great. I'll pay a dollar. No, yeah. I, just don't, donate, it to, donate it to the ACF. That's, they need it more than I do. Copy but um, if you guys are ever in town, I'd love to show you around. And we have a great food scene here. I mean, we're always rated by Food & Wine magazine as one of the best foodie cities. And the real sole reason for that is that we supply all these great restaurants and food trucks and outlets with, with a workforce that is top-notch and world-class. I believe that because uh, I was there for oh, almost a week. We stayed over there. And uh, it was a blast. I, had, I literally had a blast out there. And I didn't think I was going to because, you know, tiny, uh, tiny place, whatever. But no, it was a really, really good time. Chef, I'm going to give you two minutes to, um, to you know, just kind of share with, uh, you know, with everybody why they should, uh, why they should vote for you. Uh, well, thanks for the plug, but I'm not asking for two minutes for a vote for me. I'm asking for everybody to get out and just vote. Look at the candidates, look at what they're about and make your vote count. That's Love what that. I'm standing on. Love that. Uh, it's not about it's not about me. It's not about John. It's not about any member of in the organization. It's about letting your vote count for what you think is in the best interest of your own. So please vote for me. Don't vote for me. But uh, look into do your do your homework and research on all the members and all the candidates. Excellent. Um, Chef uh, John, um, Chef Ray McHugh, you are uh, that was a that was a terrific interview. Appreciate you. Thank you for uh, for being on the program. And uh, my pleasure. Yes, and we're, I'm going to follow up with you. I didn't. That, that's no joke, man. We're going to do like a full. Uh, we're going to full deal. <laughs> Kiss an ACDC. Here yeah, we man. come. All right, uh, 
Jeffrey, John, you guys are great. Everyone did a good job. Love you guys. We are out. Let me tell you about my friends over at Citrus America and their amazing juicing equipment. They're revolutionizing the way you enjoy freshly squeezed juice. They're at the best hotels, restaurants, and markets. Their mission is simple. Develop a unique consumer experience with on-premise juicing. Deliver healthy taste options to clientele and juice more faster. It's that easy. Citrus America supplies the highest quality juicing equipment and solutions in the industry. So whether you're a small business owner or a large corporation, Citrus America has the right juicing equipment for you. Find out more at citrusamerica.com.